Like I said, tonight, man, we do have some things going off. And so because of that, we're going to dive right in. Um, so I hope that's good with you guys. And so I've titled tonight's message this, um, there's uh, freedom in our surrender, freedom in our surrender. And so when we look at that, it's kind of like an oxymoron, right? Um, I don't know about you. I kind of have like a criminal element to my past. Um, I've been arrested a lot. And so anytime I think surrender, I'm like, man, that's cuffs. No, thank you. Um, and unfortunately, that's kind of the mindset that I approach church with. I wasn't always a pastor. I didn't always go to church. This is not my background. That may be your story. It's not mine. And so for me, as I was coming into the church, um, first and foremost, to be really blunt with you, Christian culture stuff is really lame most of the time, and I struggled with it. I'm like, man, what do Christians even do? Like, man, sit around playing solitaire all day. I mean, I want to have fun. I want to enjoy life. And so there was this mindset that I had that that if I endeavor to do the things that the church wants me to do, that God wants me to do, then all joy will be sucked from my life and everything will just be gray and gloomy. And that doesn't sound, it sounds like prison to me. It sounds like everything's been taken away. And so that was the mindset I had. And so for the longest time, I kept all of this at more than arm's length, like, man, like six arm's lengths away. And like, I don't want anything to do with it. And then eventually over time, I began to surrender. Um, and, and I began to submit and I began to seek. And through that, that this is what I discovered, that, that all of these things over here, what I classified freedom as, what I classified as, as mine, me doing my own thing, was a prison. It was a prison that kept me trapped. Personally, it kept me trapped in addiction for 18 years. It kept me trapped in, in poor relationships for most of my life. It kept everybody that was important to me at arm's length, and it isolated me. And for whatever reason, I'd given into this lie that that was freedom. And these things over here was captivity. And as I surrendered to God, to God's plan, and began to do recovery different, to begin to seek something different, I found the opposite to be true, that, that this was prison, and this what I get to experience now, this is freedom, that, that this is joy, this is happiness, that the change that God's done in my life now gives me the best version of me and the best version of my life. And so we're going to talk about that tonight, freedom in our surrender. And what I want to talk about is being completely bought in. Say bought in being completely bought in and fully submitted to Jesus. And I know you're thinking, I, I am. And, and I would ask you this, are you? And I'm not here to judge you, judge your heart where you're at, but, but I want us to do this tonight. I want us to, to take an honest look at our lives and determine, is that me? Is that what I'm actually doing? And because, I mean, showing up every Sunday, sometimes we think I'm fully bought in, I'm fully submitted. I mean, I had all the hours in the week, I, I went to church for two Sunday and Monday. And I read that Bible verse that popped up on my YouVersion app. I mean, I'm bought in completely, but I want us to really honestly evaluate and look at our lives. Is that me? And I get this. You may be where I was 10 years ago, and you're like, that preacher is full of crap. All that he's talking about, I'm not buying any of it. I get it. I get it. I, I was you. I thought the same thing when I first walked through these doors. Um, but I want you to do this. I want you to, to look at this with fresh eyes. I want you to have an open heart, an open mind. And I want you to recognize this, the things that you've done in life, let's face it, they don't work out too well. When we do things our way, when we seek things that, that are ours, and when we try to pursue that type of freedom in our lives, the reality is, I mean, if we're being real honest, it, it leads to captivity, and we see that. And so whatever side of the fence you are, understand this, that there's something better out there. 
And so we're going to look at that tonight, being fully submitted, fully bought in to the plans of Jesus. And so uh, if you've ever looked at people and been, been envious of their walk with God and wondered what you're missing, um, it's this. I know for me, that was one of the things that started to draw me in. Uh, I would look at people that, that were in the church. This was my first evidence that there might be something to this Jesus thing and doing life this way. Maybe I am missing it. Is when I would look at somebody's life and they walk through things that I'm walking through, but they did it with their head held high and they did it with a smile on their face. And I'm like, what? How you, what? You don't want to burn the whole thing down? Like, what's going on here? That doesn't make sense to me. And so if you've ever looked at people like that and thought, what's going on here? If you've ever looked at marriages and wondered, why can't I have relationship like that? Why can't my wife and I or my husband and I love each other that way? Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that surrender that they have. Maybe that's the thing that you're missing. And, and I want to I wanna challenge you that, that it probably is. And so if you've ever looked at stories or individuals in the Bible, I know that I, I did this. Um, when I first started coming to the church and, and pursuing these things, uh, I didn't really know much. Again, I didn't go to Sunday school. I didn't go to church. Uh, I didn't have understanding. I started reading these things. And I'm like, how is this possible for, for people to go through these types of trials and these types of situations to face this type of persecution and to do it all and to find success on the other side? What makes them so different than me? I mean, I considered myself to be strong and, and strong-willed, and, but I couldn't do it. And then I discovered the thing that I'm missing. And so maybe it's the same thing that you're missing. And so the Bible often refers to what we're talking about as being a slave to Christ or a bondservant. And I know both of those terms, especially in our culture, have a really negative connotation to them. I mean, we hear the word slave and it's like, no, I mean... I'm an American, right? Like, I live my own life. I'm going to do things my own way. And so we look at these things, and it's like, that's never going to be me. I'm never going to submit to anything like that. I'm never going to be that. But, but when we look at our New Testament especially, we see reference after reference that puts it in a different light. And, it, and it's from people that we look at and admire. And so real quick, I just want to share some, some opening lines to some, some books in our Bible. And so these are, uh, these are letters that were written um, by the early apostles, and it's the way they open these letters. And so a lot of your New Testament is, is that. It's a letter. They were written to individual people or groups of people um, by individuals that God used. And so through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, um, these were the words that God wanted us to hear all of these years later. And so in Romans, the Apostle Paul, he opens it up this way. This is a letter from Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. And so this is Paul, who was a Pharisee. He had an encounter with Jesus. His life was transformed. And the way that he identifies himself in writing his letter is, this is a letter from Paul, a slave to Christ. In Philippians, he says this, this is a letter from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. And so again, he opens it up this way, that, that this is not a negative thing that he's declaring about himself. It's a positive thing. He's wanting you to know, like, this is me. This is who I am. This is how I live my life. That, that when you read this, know that, that it's, it's a direct reflection of this truth about me. I'm a slave to Jesus. And, and these are the things that, this is why you can trust me moving forward. This is why you should listen to what I have to say because I'm fully submitted and surrendered in my life. He opens Titus up this way. This is a letter from Paul, a slave of God 
and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Second Peter, Peter opens his up. This is a letter from Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle to Jesus Christ. And so when we look at these individuals who did great things, they started the early church. They're responsible for changing culture. Whether you wanna believe the Bible or not, it's a historical fact that these men lived and impacted the world in a tremendous way. And this is how they identified. This is me. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. And so James, this is James, the half-brother of Jesus. And so this is James who, who didn't believe that his brother was the son of God until he witnessed him resurrected. And he says this, he says, this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his brother. I don't know about you. I have brothers. I would never identify myself as a slave to any of them unless there was significant evidence that they were in fact the son of God. Um, and so... So again, this is the letter from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Jude is opened up this way. And so Jude uh, was actually one of Jesus's other brothers and he opens it up this way. He says, this is a letter from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and brother of James, not brother of Jesus. This is a slave of Christ Jesus and a brother of James. And so when we look at these people in our Bible, when you wanna know what sets them apart, it's the mindset that they had. That this isn't a game. This isn't something that we halfway do. We don't show up here an hour, two hours a week and, and expect everything to change. We dive in completely, both feet fully submerged, fully submitted and allow God to work in our lives. And through that, he does great things. Through us, he does great things. And so there was a mindset among the early church, a mindset that I believe many of us have stepped away from. And one that I believe is the missing piece in the puzzle of, of our life and our recovery. That again, that, that every time I'm failing in my marriage to Janelle, anytime that we're fighting and missing it, it is never, not once, is it because I'm following God's example of what a husband should be. That there, there hasn't been one fight where she's like, man, babe, you're, just, you're being way too biblical here and you're just loving me too well. Could you really step back from serving me? Um, like, could you be more angry with me? It's never that. Like, that, that's never caused an issue in my, in my relationship, in my marriage. It's always because I abandon what God wants me to do and say, I've got this. I'm gonna do it my way. You said what to me? <laughs> Gloves off, let's go. And I take it a complete opposite direction. Any failure in my life, it's never attributed because I'm following God's way. Like I've never ran into an issue personally where I regretted doing what God wanted me to do. Now the opposite's true frequently, that every time I step outside of that, Every time that I decide, you know what, I'm not going to be surrendered in this. I'm going to do it my way. You know what, I'm not going to listen to you, God. I'm going to do it my way. That every time I step away from that, that's when chaos ensues. That, that's where I begin to struggle. That, that's where, where I suffer and fail and fail and fail and fail is when I've stepped away from this and done things my own way. And so it's the missing piece, again, in our life, in our recovery, in this mindset it goes against everything that the world teaches to be true. That, that when we step out of here 
When we talk about this to people that, that don't know, and you may be in the room, you may be one of them right now that says, God, you're a fool. And I get it, because it goes against everything we hear out there, that, that it's all about power and authority, doing it your way, taking control, taking charge, lording everything over everyone else. Don't let anyone tell you what to do, what to say, what to think. I'm independent. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. That's everything out there. And that's the mindset. So when we hear this, it's, a, it's an instant struggle. When, when we hear the word servant, huh, right? That, that's what it makes our flesh do. But deep down, deep down, God knows, we know that when we submit to him, everything can change and everything will change. And so, again, it's funny. Before Jesus, we think we're free. We think we're free. But if you've ever stepped on the other side of that and begin to surrender, you know there's so much more to be had on this side. There's so much more freedom. There's so much more success that God changes everything about us when we endeavor to live life his way. And so maybe you're stuck in that mindset. You wanna be in charge. The truth, the truth is this. You're serving something. You can serve God or you can serve the world. But the lie that you've bought into is that somehow you're in control. Not one of us are. There's not one of us in here that gets to be in control. We either surrender to him or we surrender to everything out there. That there's, no, there's no living life our own way. We either give into our flesh, our desires, or we give into what God wants us to give into and, and we live our best life. Matthew 6.24 says this, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, say cannot. cannot. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, I know it says money there. I want you to know that this is not a verse against rich people that have something. Um, if it was, truth of the matter is, as Americans, um, we're at the top of the financial chain in the world. And so, I mean, that would be all of us. We live pretty good lives in this country, no matter where you fall. But that's not what this is speaking to. What it's speaking to is you can't follow God and be enslaved to this world. That, that you have to make a choice. Because money is kind of like the key that we see to everything, right? It unlocks every sinful pleasure and every sinful desire. It opens every door to anything that we would want except what God wants for us. And so you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. It gives us this picture that you're going to serve one or the other. You're going to be enslaved to the things of this world, to your desires here, or, or you can serve God and follow his way, but you cannot be on the fence. A friend of mine, um, he kind of tells this story. Um, can't remember most of it, but it's kind of this, this funny thing, I know. Um, <laughs> he's like, you know, we want to live on this side. This, this is, you know, God's side. And, and then we view this side over here, and this is the world. This is what the devil has for us. And a lot of us want to, to get on the fence. And, and what we fail to realize is the devil owns the fence. Like, there, there's, not, there's not three places to be. There, you can't be in the middle. That, that you pick sides, it's one or the other. And that's what, that's what that verse is pointing out there, that it, it's one or the other. There, there's not three options there. Right. If you think you're riding in the middle, you're on the wrong side. Unless you're fully in, fully seeking. I'm not saying perfect. I'm saying endeavoring to follow everything that, that God wants you to do. 
I'm not saying you're not going to make mistakes. I'm saying you're going to recognize them. You're going to turn from them. You're going to see God in the middle of them. That, that there's a difference there. And that's the way we need to live our life. That's what we need to pursue because you can't serve God and be enslaved to this world. And so tonight, I'm going to share primarily from the book of Matthew. Um, and, I, and I want to talk about this. I want to talk about serving. And, and there's a reason I use the book of Matthew. And so uh, Matthew is part of the Gospels. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the first book of our New Testament, first book of our Bible. It's an eyewitness account. And so it was written by Matthew, who was a living, breathing historical figure who walked with a living, breathing historical Jesus. They were friends. And so Matthew was called by Jesus as all his disciples were. Um, But Matthew kind of had a unique skill set. He had a unique job. Matthew was what you'd call a tax collector. Tax collectors during this time, they were crooks, they were criminals, they were despised. They were also powerful and wealthy, all the things that we hold up in, in our world today, right? And so he traded, he was a traitor to his people, the Jews, and he served the Roman authority who had stepped in and taken over Jerusalem. He served them. And so he was kind of like the middleman. The Romans wanted money to keep their boot um, on the neck of the Jews. And so they hired Jews locally to tax and to steal from the people to make the Roman Empire wealthy. In the process, tax collectors became wealthy. And so Matthew was a guy you couldn't mess with. Uh, he would have been guarded by the Romans. He would have been a, a few of a handful of Jews who the Romans would actually protect. I mean, nobody's gonna let them kill their tax collector or do anything to them. They were powerful. They could take what they wanted from those they wanted. They, they didn't live with that, that same um, type of walls that the rest of the Jews did. They weren't suffering financially. If they hurt, they could take what they needed. They could make it up however they wanted. As long as the Romans got what they wanted, that's all they were concerned about. And so here's Matthew. Matthew sees this Jew, Jesus, walking through town, and and he surely knows about him. He surely heard about him, and, and Jesus calls him to follow him. And in that moment, you have to know this, that, that Matthew knew walking away from his post was walking away from power, from authority, and from money, that he, that he was giving all of that up. And so I chose Matthew because when we talk about being fully surrendered, he had a lot to lose. He had a lot to lose in the grand scheme of things. He had a lot that he was giving up, yet he surrendered it all and he followed Jesus. And because of that, he played a part in changing the world forever and growing the church and impacting life after life after life, all because he was willing to realize I cannot be enslaved to this world and follow God. And I'm broken and I'm messed up. And the only thing that's gonna help me is this, this guy here. And, and I, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And Matthew left it all behind to pursue Jesus and everything changed. And so point number one is this, that, that ultimately Matthew found freedom and redemption. And so how can we do the same to find freedom in our lives? We must recognize God as our authority. We must recognize God as our authority. Matthew 16, 24 through 26 said this, said, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must, say must. You must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. 
If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And so as Jesus is talking, he gives this command that, that again, you can't be on the fence here. You must give up your own life if you want to save it. That, that you have to come to this position of recognizing God as an authority in your life. And when you recognize him that way, there's a surrender that takes place in our heart. And, and when we do that, Jesus's promise here is that you'll save your life, that, that there's freedom to be found in that surrender, that there's something that changes, that takes place. He says, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And he says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And I can't help but to think of Matthew in that very verse is that's what the decision he had to arrive at. He's like, I have all of this, but what is this if I lose my soul? If I lose my eternity, what does it all mean without God? And so Matthew came to that place of surrender. And because of it, not only did God use him to write this verse, but Matthew walked it out in his own life. And so it's, 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 I'm not my own. My life is not my own. It's coming to that place of recognizing that, that everything that I have comes from God. Every good and pleasing thing comes from God. There, there's nothing that's mine. I'm not my own. And I, I'm going to surrender to him in every way. That, that it's a realization that, that this is his anyways. I should use it for him. I should serve for him. And, and we give so much stock on this little breath of life that we have that we fail to realize the grand scheme of things that he has for us. And so it's his will, not my will. We must become a servant of Christ. And when we do that, we must recognize that God is in authority. God is the authority. God is the ultimate authority. And what that means that that if there's something and you're like, I, I really get all this over here, but this part is dated. I'm not going to follow that. No, that's not recognizing God as an authority, that, that we've got to take it all, whether we like it or not, whether it fits our lifestyle or not, whether we agree with it or not. And we have to come to that place where, where we know and recognize and accept that God's voice, God's will, God's way is the only way. And we give up ours and we pursue his. And through that, we're delivered. We find freedom. And so we find freedom when we, point number two is this, realize that serving God leads to life. That serving God leads to life. And again, I know for me, before, before I came here, and before I began to live life this way, I was completely convinced that Christians had the worst life. Like, the, like there's just, what do you watch for movies? Like, I mean, this, the, the whole thing. And you guys laugh at that one because you know how true it is. Christian stuff still is pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> Somebody needs to do something about that. Um, <laughs> but, but that's what we do is like, I, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. But, but as we really step into it, I can tell you this from personal experience, like I've lived a pretty wild life over here and I've done a lot, partied a lot, had a lot. Nothing compares to the life that I have now. That I, I have more joy, 
more happiness, more pleasure. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, I mean, you talk about life abundantly, and it's not that I have a lot of money. It's that I got a lot of life that I enjoy. I have friendships that matter to me. I mean, there's just, I get so much out of every day. Not every day is perfect, but I love every day. I recognize it as a gift. And, and over here in this mindset, in this world, I thought for certain that's where it was at, that I had everything that I wanted. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. There was so much freedom to be found when I surrendered it all. And we had to realize that serving God it leads to life, not just eternal life, but life here now. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says this. Says, then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. And I love that first part because when we're living life thinking that we're free and we're doing all of these things, it's exhausting. It's so exhausting carrying all of that on our own. And Jesus has this promise. Come to me, you who've been doing it on your own, who've been carrying your marriage on your own, who's been carrying parenting on your own, who's been trying to do it all yourself, been trying to fix yourself and change things about you all on your own. You, who I know is tired, come to me and I'll give you rest. That's what Jesus says. And then he says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And so a yoke is one of these things that, I mean, they placed on oxen, animals, and, and it, it kept them plowing. And again, to me, it gives that picture of what I thought before. I would, I would see that, that yoke and like, oh, like I'm not going to be chained to what you want me to do, God. I mean, that's captivity. That's not what I'm looking for. But Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And so we look at that even and we think, yeah, but God, you want, you want to bound me. You want to keep me from something. You, you want this on me. But we got to go back to the beginning and know you're going to put a yoke on. It can be this one that's light, that's easy to bear, and you can allow God to, to direct your life, or you can put the world's yoke on, which is crushing, which just it suffocates us, and it keeps us from experiencing anything. And the great lie of the world is that, that if, if we choose to deny this, that somehow we live without any yoke. But the truth of the matter is we deny this, we put on a heavier burden than anything Jesus ever asked us to wear. And so not only does it lead to life, but it leads to your best life. I'm gonna step out of Matthew for just a second. Romans 6, 20 through 23 says this, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do what is right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do and the things that end in eternal doom. Isn't that the truth? Yep. That, that when we operated in this idea that we were free, what was the result? Man, life of guilt, life of shame, life of condemnation, a life of slavery and entrapment. It says, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. And so we step out from this slavery into servanthood of God, being a bondservant of Jesus. And it says, now you become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life, that, that there's this shift that takes place. We can serve this world and we can have reap all the benefits, all the fruit of it we want. We can serve God and, and we can reap a harvest that 
that's better, that, that's meaningful, that's transformational. It says, now you do those things that lead to holiness and result <clears throat> in eternal life. For the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And so again, point number two, realize that serving God leads to life. And lastly, point number three is this, forget everything you think you know. Forget everything you think you know. Again, when we look at this, this concept, I mean, I get it. I, I know I've tried to drive it home. I've been out there and I've listened to somebody stand on a platform. Sometimes it was this very platform from a guy who's a little heavier set than me and has less hair. Um, <laughs> and he would say things and I would think, bullcrap. Now... That, that can't be it. Not buying it. Don't believe it. You're full of it. And I had to arrive at this place where I forgot everything that I thought I knew about life, about living, about loving, and about serving. I had to cast it all aside because everything I knew came from out there. And, and I needed to know the things that came from God, from his word, from his point of view. And I had to forget everything that I thought I knew and begin to look at life differently through a new lens. And lastly, Matthew 20, 25 through 28 says, but Jesus called them together and said, and so give a little context to the disciples. They're arguing on, on the road. They're journeying with Jesus and they're arguing about who's gonna be the greatest, um, which is just really funny because they're in the presence of God and they're arguing about who's great. Um, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Say different. And so Jesus gives this picture. He says, hey, I know that everything that you've witnessed, everything that you've seen, everything about everything and how it operates, I know it looks like this. But among you, it'll be different. That, that among you who call me Lord, among you who call me teacher, among you who recognize that I'm the son of God, among you, my disciples, my followers, among you, you're not gonna live life like they do. You're not gonna follow those rules or that system. Among you, it'll be different because whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Say servant. servant. So that word servant, if you would go do a word study on that, it, it's the same word that they use for slave in all those other verses, that, that when Paul is opening up and he says, I'm a slave of Christ, same word as servant. That, that when Timothy calls himself servant, same word. When, when you look at Peter, it's the same word. James, Jude, it's the same word. They're using the same exact word that we read a servant here. We're reading a slave there. And it says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And so they had taken this truth to heart that, that after the resurrection and the ascension, they realized this, that if I'm gonna experience life differently, if I'm gonna experience what God has for me, I need to recognize that among us, it's gonna be different and we're gonna be a servant. 
And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. He said, it's gonna be different because I came to show you something different. You're gonna find freedom because I came to give you freedom. That when you surrender to me, you're gonna live life abundantly. You're gonna have joy. These things that the world struggles with that keeps them held captive, that holds them down, that causes their marriage to fail, that causes your children to hate them. These things you get to be free of, that you get to experience something different if you would become a slave of Christ Jesus. And so that's what we're talking about, that all of this pivots, all of this, wherever you're at in your recovery, wherever you're at in your life, it pivots on this truth, this missing piece of the puzzle that we've got to surrender to God in every form, every fashion, every area, especially when it's difficult, especially when it causes us to feel uneasy, because when we do, we experience what God has for us. When we follow the example of Jesus, when we fully surrender to him in every area of our life, when we become slaves of God, upon servant to Christ Jesus, we find freedom from whatever's holding us back. And so tonight, all of this, it pivots on that one truth that, that in order to have significant life change, we have to surrender to Jesus. And so if you're in here tonight, I wanna encourage you to make that decision here as we close service. In just a moment, we're gonna have our chip prayers and huggers come up. And if you're in here and you recognize, I've been doing it my way, that, that I thought that life change came from sitting in a service and I completely missed. It came from submitting myself to Christ Jesus. I need to make that decision. We wanna encourage you here in just a moment to, that if you're in here, if you've never given your life to Jesus, tonight's the night at the end of service, we wanna encourage you to, to do that for the very first time. And so if you're in here and you've, you've done that before and you need to rededicate, it's never too late to rededicate. It's never too late to say, you know what, I've, just, I've missed it. That, that's what this is about. That's that missing piece. It's a relationship with Jesus. And so to recap tonight, point number one is this. We must recognize God as our authority. We must recognize God as our authority. Point number two, we must realize that serving God leads to life. And number three, Forget everything you think you know. Forget everything you think you know. There we go. Apparently, Haley can't do things with a broken arm or whatever. It's laziness. Laziness. Kind of afraid she might shove me off here. <laughs> but in all seriousness, again, don't miss an opportunity to allow God to move in your life. Don't miss an opportunity to, to allow him to change. That There's no need for you to go back out there and live life the exact same way. 
and, and in the exact same struggles without any success and without any change. And so, again, I just want to encourage you in this, that, that if you're in here tonight and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, that, that you didn't realize or recognize up until this time and this moment that, that he was the Son of God and, and this was the thing that he came for, that, that he came to live and to die and, and to sacrifice himself so that we could have freedom and forgiveness. If you're just now realizing that and you need to commit your life to Jesus tonight, here in just a moment, we want to encourage you to come up front and just to pray with us. Allow us to pray with you and for you. We're going to lead you in a prayer so that can be you tonight, so that you can finally have that assurance that, that you're saved, that you're forgiven, and begin to experience the change that he has for you. Number two, maybe you need to recommit. Maybe you've gotten far from God. Maybe tonight's the first time you've been in church in years or, or, or years and years, and you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm too far gone. You're never too far gone. And if you need to recommit tonight, there's nothing that you could have done to make God love you any less. And so it's time to come home. And so if you need to recommit, we want to encourage you to come up front and do that. And then if you need a white chip, what that is, is you're at recovery. It's just something that's between you and God. You pick it up. It's blank. You can write down today's date. You can write down what it is. But if God's been pressing something in your heart and bringing something to the forefront of your mind and you realize that, that you've been enslaved to this, that this has been the thing that you elevated above God, that you put before your relationship, and it's time to surrender it so that you can find freedom, we want to encourage you to come pick up a white chip. And then lastly, if you just need prayer, prayer for anything at all. This is a house of prayer. It's one of the ways we journey with you. We want to pray for you, whether it's, to ask God for help, or if you just want to recognize something great that he's done in your life, we want to pray for you. And so for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to come down. If you guys would do this, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.